Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. I love creativity. I love that God is a creative God. Amen? He's a creative God, and He's doing amazing creative things in our midst, for sure. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for this morning already. We thank You for all of the the work that You've already done that You are continuing to do this morning. Father, we just thank You for Your power. We just thank You for Your power transforming our lives, Lord. Oh, thank You, Father. Thank you, Lord. More of you, less of us. More of you, less of us. Thank you, Lord. More of you, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that the, what was once unexpected will become expected. Father, we thank you for your miracle-working power moving in our midst. Things that we would say were not normal, Father. We just thank you that you're making them normal. Cancer being eradicated, being normal in our midst. Father, I just thank you for the wonderful things you're doing. And we just thank you for this new series, Lord, that you have called us to of Revival 2020. And that the most important thing is that we all will understand that the revival starts with us in our own hearts. So let it begin with us, Lord. Let it begin with revival in our own lives, in our own hearts, transforming our minds. Thank you for renewing the right spirit within us, Lord. And Father, we just thank you for your word that we can stand upon each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are starting a brand new series to start the brand new year. Uh, It's called Revival 2020. And this word revival has been something that has just been, I've been hearing it over and over in my prayer time. I'm hearing it different places across the globe, across the world. People are talking about revival. Uh, Someone says there hasn't been a really a big revival move in this country in a while, maybe since the Jesus movement uh, back in the 60s and 70s. And I don't know all the facts or the details, but I'm starting to study some of the revivals that have happened in our country. What kind of made them come together? What made them happen? And what I've realized more and more and more, every time you read it, it comes down to a people praying. It comes down to a people praying, preparing the ground for God to move. Church, God wants to move. He wants to do these things, and He is just asking us to prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare ye the way for the Lord. And so this word revival, I mean, I honestly, I was thinking at some point during 2019, I was going to get to this series. And it just was like, no, it's not for now. It's not for now. It's not for now. It's for now. It's for now, for the beginning of 2020. 
And, you know, the Bible talks about fasting, and I want to talk a little bit about fasting this morning as each of us, as a family and as and us personally, are getting ready for next week's fast as it begins next Sunday. Uh, but, you know, the, the Bible makes it pretty clear. We don't f- actually fast for revival. We fast for ourselves. We fast to turn our hearts more towards God. And I kind of have another handy-dandy definition that I came up with for what I see as fasting and what does that mean for us. But I want you to understand this time of fasting, this Revival 2020 is more than just this time of fasting. This Revival 2020, we're going to be talking about this for as long as God has us talking about this, because I truly believe that God is preparing this area, this city, for a great move of God. And I see that because I know we are people of prayer. I know there are other churches. This is not just about Erie Christian Fellowship Church. There are other churches that are talking about it, that are praying as well to see God move with a great revival in this city and in this town. And so as I walk through this, my goal of this series is to prepare our hearts for revival, to prepare us for revival. And God had given us, uh, actually gave Pastor Liz, gave us these four words that God has really spoken to us as a church. And these four words, what I believe, I truly believe with my whole heart, the 30 years of a faith foundation of the Word of God has already been set. And these four words layered on top of it is going to absolutely break free open. It's all in God's timing, His sovereign timing, I get that. But it's time to break free a revival through this church and through this area starting in 2020. And I'm telling you, I don't know if we see it all in 2020. I would say no, we probably won't. But it is beginning, and we've been laying the groundwork, and this year is going to continue to lay the groundwork for this amazing revival that God has planned uh, for us. And so the key scripture for this entire series, the key scripture is going to be found in uh, 2 Chronicles 7. 2 Chronicles 7, some of you, you know this verse fairly well. And I'm just going to, the, the key, the, if you want to write this down, the key for this entire uh, series is going to be verse 14 through 16. We may teach a little bit in, all the way up to verse 20 at some point in time too, but it says this, starting at 14. If my people, if my people, if you have made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, this is talking to you. Because the Lord's clearly saying, this is my people. This is not the heathens. This is not those who are having satanic worship. These are not those who are far from God. These are not those who are doing things that we find to be an abomination to the Lord and what, and what he wants to go do in people's life. No, he's saying, if my people, that's you, that's me. If my people who are called by my name, Christians called by my name, If we are saying we are Christians, if we are saying we are following God, if we are saying, God, I'm making you the Lord of my life, then what happens here applies to us. It says, those who are coming will humble themselves. Will we humble ourselves? Will we pray and seek his face? Will we turn from our wicked ways? This is, the, this is what he's telling us to go do. My people, if we will humble ourselves, if we will pray, if we will seek his face, and if we will turn from our wicked ways, that's saying that those who follow the Lord sometimes walk in wicked ways. Ouch. But most of you are going to do in the head nod, and you guys get it. 
God is calling us to live a more and more sanctified life. A more and more, a life more and more of sanctification in a process of moving closer and closer to him. Then, this is what God says, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. If that's not a revival verse to get us going, to get us excited, I don't know what is. Because it's a difficult verse for us to take, that we, these are some things that God is calling us to go do. Humble ourselves, to pray, to repent, to be in obedience, to be in submission to what God has in store for our lives. When that happens, when we do that, God does his part, says, then I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I don't know if anybody's looked around at the news or went anywhere lately. How many of you know God needs to do some healing in our land? There's healing that needs to happen in our land. And God wants to do it. And what he's showing us here is that the church is the catalyst for this to happen. And the church has to begin to do certain things so that we can begin to lay the groundwork for God to begin to heal this land. Now, he has already begun healing this land. He's already doing things. I get that. But the interesting thing is here, this is my heart for this church in verse 15. Now my eyes will be open. This is what God's saying is now his eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. In this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house. This is what I want for this house, for this church, which means I cannot help but teach you on how to be humble, how to pray, how to seek his face, how to repent, how to be in obedience, radical obedience to what God is calling each and every one of us to go do. In fact, if I want this, I have to do this. So I'm going to do this. And some weeks it won't be so pleasant. And it might not be as exciting and a lot of amens, but that's going to be okay. Because this is what God is doing in our midst. His ears will be attended to the prayers made in this place. For now I have chosen to sanctify this house that my name may be there forever. Thank you, Lord. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Thank you, Father. Father, Lord, we're just going to stop a little prayer break here for a second. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you, Lord, for this congregation. Father, I thank you that you are moving in our hearts and in our midst, that we are seeing miracles and we're going to see more, Father God. But I just pray that our hearts will be turned towards you, that this fast that we begin next week and continue for the three weeks, however long that you call individuals to go on for, Father, that you will just revive our hearts towards you. Revive our hearts towards you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm not going to teach much out of the Second Chronicles. That's just the key verse for this series. I want to talk about fasting. I want to take some time and talk about fasting. What is it? Why do it? And how do I prepare for it? Okay? What is it? Why do it? And how do I prepare for it? I think it's a very practical teaching. I'm going to use a couple of scriptures out of the Word of God to show this. But I want to give you my definition of fasting. This is my definition of fasting. Intentionally giving something up that the flesh wants. Ah. This actually should be a little bit difficult. Okay? This is not fasting Facebook to do Instagram. If that's what God told you to fast Facebook to spend and spend more time on Instagram, I'm not so sure you're hearing correctly from the Lord. We should have a meeting. Okay? 
Intentionally giving something up that the flesh wants in order to draw our spirit into alignment with his. We have to get the flesh out of the way to make room for the spirit to be in alignment with his. And this church has been doing for years, I don't know when we started this, three-week fast in the beginning parts of January. I'm delaying it a week this year because I wanted to teach on this. I want you to be praying about it. I want you to take this fast this year more seriously than you have ever in the past. Because I truly believe that lives depend upon it. (laughs) Your own, and you're going to see that in a minute, not just your own life, but the lives of others that God has placed around you. So I want you, each and every one of you, to take this seriously. Take it to prayer. What does God have for me to fast during this time? So why do it? Well, Jesus did it. Apostles did it. And it draws our heart into alignment with God. And I first want to look at how, what Jesus did when he fasted. So Matthew chapter 4, if you want to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. So why do we do this? What it is, we kind of understand it's really... You know, taking our flesh out of the equation the most that we can in order to draw near to God. Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to read a little bit, then I'll stop, and then I'll read a little bit. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So, you know, I've been reading the New Testament for a long time. Uh, I was saved when I was like five. I don't know how many times I read through the New, the New Testament. I have never seen that before. Okay, maybe all have seen it before. Be like, yeah, of course. I've seen verse, you know, Matthew 4, verse 1 before. When Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Wait a second. You mean the Spirit of the living God led Jesus, the Son of God, somewhere so that he could be tempted? I was like, whoa, mind blown. I was like, this is a, I've never seen this before. Why would he do that? Why would he go and do that? And what he's going to show you, what Jesus did, how he fasted, and then how he battled the temptations of the devil, why that is in here so that we can understand that when we are fasting, we are preparing ourselves spiritually for the temptations and the battles that are set before us. This is what fasting does. Please don't just fast the first three, these three weeks in January. This should be, you should be having a living a life of fasting. Periods of time when temptation is big in your life, when you're struggling, when your marriage is in trouble, and you're fighting, and you're arguing, and you want to just scream and yell at your kids, are you fasting? Are you getting the flesh out of the way? Are you getting this out of the way so that the spirit, your spirit can be connected with God's spirit so you can hear clearly what does he want you to go do? This is not a three-week thing just in January. Yeah, we're doing this collectively as a church, but fasting is so much more than that. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay, that was new to me. Verse 2, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, we're doing 21, we're probably going to like cut out bread. Okay, but this is like Jesus is doing an all-out fast here. 40 days and 40 nights. Afterward, he was hungry. I've used the word before. I know Todd loves it. The hangry, right? Okay, so, I mean, come on. He was human. So, I mean, he was all God, but he was human too. Like, he was hungry. And hangry is when you're hungry and angry at the same time. 
Okay, this is, this is, I get this way after like two hours of not eating, let alone 40 days and 40 nights. Afterward, he was hungry. Now, now when the tempter came to him. Listen, I find that very interesting. The Spirit led Jesus out to be tempted, but 40 days and 40 nights he was not yet tempted. The enemy came, the enemy came when the flesh was weak. But what the enemy did not realize is that when Jesus was fasting, what happened? His spirit was strong. You see, so God is showing us when we are fasting, yes, maybe our flesh feels weak, and sometimes it feels difficult to get things out of our life that we really enjoy, like coffee or cocoa or chocolate or whatever God's calling you to remove from your life that you enjoy to get your flesh out of the way, to begin to prepare your spirit for the temptations, for the battles, for the trials that are coming your way. And I'm sorry to let you know, but they're coming. Because this is what the Bible says, and my life experience says no other. But Jesus sees us through them all. But Jesus sees us through them all. So Satan comes and tempts him, and here's what he says. He says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, if you do some research here... Every time here that Satan tempts Jesus, he's using scripture. He's actually pulling a scripture out, using it out of context, if we want to call it that. But guess what? Our enemy knows scripture. So the filter for us, as we are hearing scriptures, if that scripture is bringing fear, if we think it's coming to us and we think the enemy, it's coming from the enemy, our filter is, is there fear coming? Is there condemnation coming? That is not of the Lord. And there are scriptures that we need to have memorized and ready to go to combat that and say, you know what, enemy? Get behind me, Satan. This is not of the Lord. This is not your time. And then he will bring peace. And he will bring conviction, but not condemnation. He will bring uh, peace and not fear. So Satan uses scriptures. We have to be very careful there. And we have to be careful not to take scripture out of context as well, right? Amen to that. That's like a side note. Here, so here Satan is tempting, he's tempting Jesus with a physical need, because he's hungry. He's saying, go ahead and make these stones into bread so that you can eat something. Here's what I noticed, Satan couldn't turn the stones into bread. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He wasn't like, hey, here's some bread. I'm going to tempt you with this bread. I have. No, he's like, well, I don't have any bread. So, Jesus, how about I tempt you to do a miracle or something to feed your own flesh? And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. I see what you're doing here. But this was new to me as well. I read this like, wait a second. Satan couldn't actually turn the stones into bread. He asked Jesus to do it so he could feed himself. I was like, come on. This is awesome. Satan knows where his bounds and his limits, and we need to keep them where he should be bounded up and in his limits. And Jesus answered him, he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the, by the very word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus combated this temptation with the word of God. Verse 5, Then the devil took him up to the holy city, 
and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. So here the enemy is trying to tempt Jesus to say, okay, let's see if the healing power of God is truly here. Let me see, let's, how about we get you to throw yourself down and injure yourself and see if the healing power of God came on. And Jesus is like, wait a second, no, 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 no. You have no power and authority over me to cause this sickness any longer in my life. You understand what he's saying? Jesus is just like, no, 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 no. You can't do this. And if you notice, Satan couldn't throw him down. Satan couldn't actually throw him down. He said, Jesus, throw yourself down. Because Satan had no power and no authority over Jesus to make him actually jump and throw himself down. You see that. So what Jesus has is all the power that we need. And in the word of God is all the scripture that we need to fight the temptations of the devil. He has no power. In the spiritual realm, it is none. There is no power in the spiritual realm when we take the authority that we have been given. Man, like this was like, wow, I'm ready to fast. Let's go. Can we start today? Sure you can, if you want. Make it four weeks, whatever. You could do it then if you want. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 7, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So then verse 8, again, the devil took him up, this is the third time he's trying to tempt him here, to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And so this caught my attention. Wait a second. He couldn't turn the rocks into bread. He couldn't do that kind of miracle. He couldn't force Jesus to jump down, to injure himself, to cause him to do harm to himself. But what he could do, what he could do, because it wouldn't have been a temptation if he couldn't actually do it. What he could do is all these things I will give you. What things? The kingdoms of this world. Of this world. You see, Satan goes around and tempts us. You think that there are some people who are successful, that it hasn't been the enemy that has helped make them successful. Guys, it is, it's not like just all the Christians are blessed and have favor and have finances to be able to do the work of the kingdom. You see, this was something actually Satan could offer. He couldn't offer the other stuff because he doesn't have authority in the spiritual realm, but he has some authority here in this physical realm, so he had some things he could offer to Jesus. And there are things day in and day out that he offers to us. Power, money, to distract us. From Jesus, from the King of Kings, and from the Lord of Lords. So why do we fast? One, because Jesus did, but why do we fast? So that our spirit man is ready for the tempter when he comes and he begins offering us all these things of pornography and lust and women and men and all the stuff of the world gets laid out before us and say, this is all for you because Satan can offer these things to you and you can say, oh no, 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 I don't think so. Because my spirit is strong now. My flesh is behind me. And I'm ready to fight this temptation. I'm ready to fight this battle. This is why we fast. To get our hearts ready for what is in store. In front of us. Jesus said to him, away with you. I love this. All right. Three times, three strikes and you're out. You need to go. Baseball, yeah, we got baseball now. I love sports analogies. 
three strikes. He's like, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. You notice he kicked him out with the greatest commandment. <laughs> he can't, he's like, you know what? If you're going to memorize any scripture and learn the commandments, the first and second, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your strength, you know, that's what I'm going to use. Get out of here, Satan, because I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, and my strength. Because that's the first commandment, and that's what I'm going to do because my spirit is ready because I prepared it for this challenge that's in front of me. So after Jesus says, away with you, because you got no power here, what happens, verse 11, then the devil left him. (laughs) Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered then to Jesus. Oh, we fight the battle. We fight the battle, and then the Lord continues to come and ministers to us. Through the battle, after the battle, beginning in the battle, the Lord ministers to us. This is why we fast. Next part of scripture I want to look at real quickly says, did the disciples fast? Yes, they did. Turn to Acts 13, verse 2. So in order to fight the temptations that come in this life, we have to prepare ourselves. We have to know the word of God, exactly what Jesus did. But there's other reasons why we fast, other things God does when we fast. We can see this as the disciples are fasting. Acts 13, 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. These are the apostles, these are disciples. They, as they ministered to the Lord, what is ministering to the Lord? Worshiping Him. As they worshiped and prayed and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, You're looking for direction in your life. You're looking for this calling that we've been talking about. Where is God placing me? What is God doing with my life? Where am I supposed to go? When we begin to fast, we begin to remove these thoughts of our own flesh that says, Lord, have your way with me. Have your way in my life. I am fasting and seeking direction for my life. Because what happened here is as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. As they were doing that, the Holy Spirit said. What the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Verse 3, then having fasted and prayed basically some more, right? Okay, so this is confirmation from the Lord. I think I'm hearing the Lord, but I'm going to continue to fast. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to press in so I know for certain this is what God has for me. This is the calling God has. This is the direction he has for me. This is exactly what he wants me to go. Then they fasted and prayed. This is like after they heard from the Holy Spirit. Let's do it again. Maybe we'll do a second fast, three more weeks, whatever, I don't know. And laid hands on them, and they sent them away. Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, because they were fasting, they were sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and where they had sailed to Cyprus. They fasted, they got an answer, they prayed and fasted some more, and the Holy Spirit continued to speak and to move and to guide and to direct. This is why we fast in our lives. This is why we fast. So why do we do it? Quite honestly, it's just to be in his presence. If we are fasting and not praying, then we're doing like, you know, the latest Google fast on how to like, you know, do intermittent fasting. Like that's fine. You can do that, whatever. But what I'm saying is there's this thing where we need to be fasting and praying. 
What we're giving up in the physical realm of our flesh, we need to be able to move that aside and we need to dig in deeper with him on a spiritual realm. You see, the side benefits of doing that is victory in this world over Satan, (laughs) which we saw Jesus do, and then direction for our life and decisions. You know, the verse that I want us to focus on, not just in the Second Chronicles, but Matthew 6.33. I know where's Brother Rich, man. It's like one of his favorite verses. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what we're doing while we're fasting for three weeks. The whole Chronicles healing the land, we're going to be talking about that for a while. But for the next three weeks, this is what we are doing. We are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that all these things shall be added unto you. And it's in the context of not worrying. It's in the context of scripture about not caring, about not thinking about all the things that are going on in our life. If we focus on him and his kingdom and his righteousness by removing the flesh from the situation and taking the spirit and saying, I want my spirit in complete alignment with him. All those other things <laughs> begin to align. All those other things begin to fall into place. All those other things begin to happen. The Amplified Version says this, same scripture, Matthew 6, 33. But first and, form, but first and most importantly, seek, which is aim at, strive after, his kingdom and his righteousness, which is his way of doing, his way of being, the attitude and character of God. Whoa, let's do that for three weeks. Let's do that for three weeks. Come on, church. Let's do that for the next three weeks. Well, we're starting next Sunday. You can start tomorrow if you want. Whatever. Start this afternoon. If you want to do that for the next couple weeks, and then what happens? And all these things will also be given to you. Like, do this. Seek him with your whole heart for the next three weeks and watch what he does. We have testimony after testimony after testimony in our life during times of fasting that God has answered prayers, God has given direction, God has given all that. And a lot of times with certain things we are praying for, other times he just says, and the Holy Spirit said. Like we weren't expecting that answer, we weren't expecting that to come this way, but it did anyway during this time of prayer and fasting. So how do I prepare for this thing? I just suggest you just begin to be in prayer. Starting today, starting now, this week, be in prayer. Get serious about it. I don't know what exactly he wants you to fast, but I suggest it's probably more so than what your mind is coming up with right now. I know, I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm speaking, I'm speaking to myself, too, so, like, you know, this is tough. The flesh, man, satisfying the flesh feels good sometimes, yeah? I mean, come on, let's just be real. This is true. This is true. I like coffee. (laughs) But I found a new way to prepare coffee, too, at home. It's just like, oh, it's like I'm at Starbucks. It's like, honestly, the heavy cream, the sugar, the, you know, the French rose pod in my Keurig. I mean, it's like I might as well be at the Starbucks down the street. And I'm only paying like 65 cents per Keurig cup, right, versus $3 for the same cup of coffee. I'm at home, just, okay, so this is going to be difficult, okay? I get it. I don't know what he's called you to go do and to fast, but this is not to be easy, church. It's got to be difficult. Pray and ask him what he's asking you to go do. And I suggest, you know, if it's, hey, I'm going to fast lunch every day, then don't take that time and go check social media, do this or do that. Take that additional time to pray. 
Take that additional time to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. You want to skip some dinners every other day? Then take that time to pray. Use the time in which you would be satisfying the flesh with something like Netflix, marathons, or Prime Video, or Hulu, whatever your choice of instant downloads is that you want to watch from. And you put that aside, but don't just put it aside. Put it aside and then do something with that time. Seek him further and his righteousness. Worship team, if you just want to come up, or if you guys want to just play behind me, I don't know if anyone's supposed to do that here. I want to read, it's late, but I want to read something out of this book here. This book is called Why Revival Tarries. Why Revival Tarries is by Leonard Ravenhill. It is messing with my world. Someone mess with your world. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Because I can. This is great. Because God said to, so don't, I'm not just doing this like, you know, haha, look at this. This is because God said to read chapter 2. It's, very, it's, it's actually not that long. So if you want to play behind me a little bit, Andy, there. It says, no man is greater than his prayer life. Let's just stop there for a second. No man, no woman is greater than their prayer life. Kids, teenagers, come on. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. Poverty-stricken as the church is today, In many things, she is most stricken here in the place of prayer. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, but few prayers. We have singers and clingers. Lots of pastors, but few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Two prerequisites to a Christian living are vision and passion, both which are born in and maintained by prayer. The ministry of preaching is open to a few, but the ministry of prayer, the highest ministry of all human offices, is open to all. Spiritual adolescents say, yeah, I'll not go tonight. It's only a prayer meeting. It may be that Satan has little cause to fear most preaching. Yet past experiences sting him to rally all all his infernal army to fight against God's people who are praying. Modern Christians know little of binding and loosing, though the onus is on us. Whatever ye shall bind, whatever ye shall loose. Have you done this lately?
The secret of praying is praying in secret. A sinning man will stop praying, but a praying man will stop singing. A sinning man will stop praying, but a praying man will stop sinning. Prayer is profoundly simple and simply profound. Are we beggared and bankrupt, but not broken nor even bent? So, Father, we come to you. Father, we ask that you lead us and guide us over these next couple weeks. We will begin to live a life of prayer and fasting, seeking first your kingdom, your righteousness, and what you have for us. Father, we want more of you and less of us. More of you and less of us. Father, we thank you for who you are, the great I am. Just as we started. Father, we thank you that you are the great I am. You are grace, you are mercy, you are forgiveness, you are healing, you are hope, you are love. You are all things that we need. So, Father, we just thank you for ministering to us today. Father, thank you for the challenge to draw closer to you in these next couple weeks. And, Father, may we have the strength to be radically obedient to what you've called us to go do during this time. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have some prayer leaders that are making their way up to the front. If they could come up here now, uh, I'll just dismiss you in a second. I've got a one benediction I'd like to read over you guys. If you need prayer for anything in your life, there are some prayer leaders up here that can pray with you. Healing, maybe salvation, maybe you need to turn your heart back to God and say, you know what, everything you're saying, everything that happened today was all for me. Come up here and meet one of these people. Have them pray with you, turning your heart back to him, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. So I encourage you, don't, I know it's late, you probably got things to do. The, look, the Steelers aren't even in the playoffs. And the Bills lost, and Cleveland never makes it, okay? There's no reason to rush home to see the playoff games. I'm sorry, I'm just saying the Eagles, my team, uh, is on this afternoon at 4 o'clock, so I got all the time in the world. Till four, I'm in no rush to get out of here. Go Eagles, E-A-G-L-E-S. Okay, I'm sorry. If you need prayer for anything, come on up here. And these people will pray. They, are, they know how to do this. They have seen the results. God is working in and through their lives. And they will begin to pray with you. Otherwise, let me just read this over you and dismissed. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In vain. God bless. Amen. Have a great weekend. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. 
You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org where you may sign up to receive our monthly faith communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today. And always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.